Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Well, howdy, friends. Thanks so much for joining the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Joining me for this segment is Christian Finnegan, Assistant Professor of History and Politics at Colorado Christian University. We're going to be thinking through and talking about this mass shooting that happened over the weekend, how we as Christian conservatives respond to this, how we engage in public policy to make sure that we're addressing these and trying to stop these from happening in the future. Uh, Professor Finnegan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you were voted by the students Professor of the Year at Colorado Christian University. Uh, clearly, they appreciate you. They appreciate your leadership, and we're glad to have you on the program today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Professor Finnegan, how do we think through what happened this week as Christian conservatives? And more importantly, how do we respond? Uh, what is the pathway forward for those of us that want to stop these but also protect our constitutional rights and the rights that have made this country great? Right. Obviously, that's the question on all of our hearts and minds right now. And, and I'd say first, you know, we're all devastated by this news coming out of Texas, just as we were grieved by the events of Columbine and Sandy Hook and Virginia Tech, um, our hearts as a nation are breaking right now. And I think, first and foremost, that best advice is, is to follow Paul, who told us in Romans 12 to mourn with those who are mourning. And so we weep with those who have lost uh, just an, an unfathomable loss. Um, and so we grieve with them. Um, but Paul also reminds us in First Thessalonians that we, as Christians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Um, and instead, what Christians do is we respond with worship. Um, we go to the cross. We go to church. Um, I was in church a couple weeks ago, and our pastor was talking about this in a sermon. He says, those who have no hope so oftentimes look for action, right, when we're confronted with tragedy. We, we want to do, we want to do. And he said the Christian response is to fall on our knees before the Lord uh, because he ultimately is good, he is ultimately faithful, um, and he is the one who has power uh, to bring true change. And so I think first and foremost, yeah, we need to go fall on our knees before the Lord. So many people are saying right now, well, prayer, prayer doesn't do anything. Um, well, those people, who, sadly, who say that, I think, are people who, believe, who don't believe in a God who can do things. And even in the wake of this terrible tragedy, uh, we look first and foremost to the Lord. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not practical considerations to consider as well. Um, we have to think through these things. Um, but there's an old adage in law, Jeff, that says, hard cases make bad law. I think there's a real temptation for us to try to react and to do things in the wake of horrible news and events. Uh, we want to fix the problem, um, but oftentimes in our rashness, we can, we can do more damage uh, than good. Um, you know, people talk about climate change. Well, we could stop our emissions if we just, you know, prevented people from driving cars, maybe. Um, that's an overreach, and I think something we need to be careful about. And so we've got legislative process here. Um, we've got the court systems. Um, and so, yeah, and also, too, we just need to address hearts and minds, as you said in your opening segment. Um, the true issue here, unfortunately, is we live in a sinful, fallen world, um, and people do terrible things. Um, 
And no matter what we do, we're not going to be able to legislate against that completely. And so, yeah, we have to trust in the Lord. Uh, we have to point people to Christ. Um, and we have to build a society that's built on truth and virtue. There is a sort of underlying secular, fatalistic approach to these moments where um, it, it's the it, the only thing that especially the media or the left focuses on is the act itself, right? And the act itself is mm. horrific. And I was talking with a security expert on this, former U.S. Navy SEAL, CIA security expert, about about what happened. And he said, you know, there, there's lots of different angles and approaches to this, but if you're only focused in on the actual act, what happened, and we're not asking questions as to how is our country producing people that want to kill innocent children, we're, we're only reacting to the actual event itself and not thinking broader about it. It's almost kind of a, a seg- the, the, the spiritual components are almost not only ignored, but completely rejected, right? You've got this, well, the prayers don't make any sense. Why? Or the, the prayers don't make any impact. So w- w- they, they get angry about the fact that people are even praying um, and push back against that. And then you can't even discuss the spiritual components about it. And I think it's, I think the underlying problem is, or the issue there is that it's a purely secular fatalistic approach to our worldview. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we, we are sinful fallen people. Um, and sadly we do terrible things sometimes. And yeah, the idea that we can just legislate certain actions out of existence and somehow legislate morality into being, I think, is is very much misguided. I think you're absolutely right. When we're looking at the legal challenges, so they're they're proposing votes at the state capitol now. We are, um, you know, they're they're trying to f- provide a legislative solution to this, which I don't blame them for, right? Because we, we, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And when we deal with problems in our nation, we want to propose solutions to them. But, but there's a reality there with regards to the Second Amendment that I feel like the left ignores, which is that this nation has a fundamental foundational principle that an armed citizenry is a good, right? So we, there's journalists out there that say guns are the problem. We've got to get rid of all the guns. We've got to be like Europe or we've got to be like China or we've got to be like Africa or, you know, all these other countries that they look at where they say we don't have these mass shootings. So it's got to be the school or it's got to be the uh, the guns that are the problem. So what is your response to, with our founding principles, how we rea- respond to the left that really wants to address the gun issue? Right. Well, this is one of the, the things I think we, we see in the, the very beginning of our, of our country and our founding. When we look at the federal papers, um, there was this idea that a big federal government would be able to just do whatever it wanted. We could crank out law after law after law. And so there are policies in place intentionally somewhat to slow our reaction. Um, and some people look in the wake of tragedy and see that as horrible. Um, but the founders really wanted us to consider our laws before we pass them. This is why we have separation of powers. We have different branches of government, why we have a bicameral legislature. Um, we can't just we're not a parliamentary system where a simple majority passes legislation. Um, we have a process in which we have to uh, create legislation, which is hopefully going to bring about more discerning, wiser laws in practice. And we do, as you point out, have a constitution. 
Um, and you pointed out earlier in the District of Columbia v. Heller case back in 2008, uh, the United States Supreme Court struck down a very broad ban against handguns in the District of Columbia. And then we saw two years later in McDonald v. Chicago, um, through the Due Process Clause in the 14th Amendment, that ruling was then applied, and the Second Amendment was applied to the states. Now, the problem is, too, though, is that the court has kind of been silent since then. Um, there is a case before the court, and we're, we're looking for some more guidance from the court right now, um, expecting an opinion here hopefully soon in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, um, where the court is hopefully going to help us figure these out. What, where can states legislate um, against gun ownership, maybe? Um, for example, those who are former felons, and then also, too, what rights are just inherent in our Constitution that are fundamental to our nation and our understanding of the Constitution and, and our rights and privileges. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're still waiting to see how this works out constitutionally, and that, I think, has brought about some of the ambiguity um, here, but hopefully the court is going to let us know very quickly and stand by those, yes, Second Amendment rights that they seem to have granted us in Heller and McDonald. So I believe, it was it Scalia that wrote the deciding case in Heller? I believe he wrote the majority opinion. Majority opinion, yeah. My apologies. Majority opinion. So it's really important for our listeners to go read that, yeah, because they explore and dive into all these definitions that that is being debated right now. Rolling Stone has articles out about this. You know, what what does it mean that uh, to have a well regulated militia? Um, what does it mean that the right of the people to bear arms? shall not be infringed. Is it the right of the people broadly, or is it the right of the people individually? All of this is explored, debated, flushed out in the Heller case, so you've got to go read this because these are the types of discussions that we're having, and these are the types of issues that are going to be legislated. Does mm-hmm. the Second Amendment have, is it about hunting? Is it about self-defense? Well, in, in some ways it's about self-defense. I don't really think it has much to do about hunting at all. And You see Joe Biden go that direction every single time. Mm-hmm. How bad do you have to be to have, a, you know, multiple rounds to shoot a deer? Uh, that's the direction he always goes. But here's what's important for everybody to understand. The Second Amendment is fundamentally about freedom and liberty. All right. It is about a free state. It says right there in the Second Amendment that this is necessary to having a free state, that people have that right uh, to bear arms. And nowhere else in the Constitution are the rights of the people, quote unquote, rights of the people known as collective. It's about individual rights and the right to bear arms is individual and necessary to keep tyranny at bay. Now, Colorado Christian University is committed. It's written right in our strategic priorities to impact culture in support of the original intent of the Constitution. And professors like Christian Finnegan are the ones that are helping educate and prepare our students, whether you're going into accounting, whether you're going into ministry, whether you're going into sciences or history or teaching, any of those issues. Colorado Christian University is preparing students to embrace the original intent of the Constitution, and education is so important to that. I want to thank Dr. Christian Finnegan, Professor Christian Finnegan, for being on the radio with us today. If you're interested in getting a degree from Colorado Christian University, go to ccu.edu and get a chance to study under brilliant minds like Christian Finnegan. We'll be right back with Will Armstrong. Will Armstrong. 